Bismillah, alhamdulillah. Wa salatu wa salam ala nabina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa ashabi ajma'in. First of all, I'd like to uh, uh, welcome everyone to today's uh, lecture on the topic of happiness. And uh, this topic, uh, this topic of happiness is perhaps from the most uh, important topics that everybody, Muslim as well as non-Muslim, uh, would benefit from and needs to know because ultimately everybody's seeking a good life. It's something that there's consensus and agreement upon that every single person in this dunya is seeking contentment and seeking peace, seeking tranquility and seeking to remove anxieties from their life, remove stresses and to remove worries. And this is something that there's agreement upon. Uh, however, as is also well known, it's not everyone that attains it. It's not everyone that attains happiness. Uh, and this is something, this topic is really important, especially as we are currently facing a crisis uh, of uh, COVID-19, this disease, which is affecting so many people and has everyone isolated in their homes. As in as everyone, uh, I guess, could be concerned at the least about their loved ones and at the most worried uh, to the extent that they uh, are, you know, if they see another person cough, for example, automatically in the past, where this would just be, okay, he's got a cough, now they're thinking he's got COVID. Or for example, they don't go near to a person on the street because they're concerned and worried and the like. And this is natural and this is normal. So ultimately everyone's searching and seeking happiness, but not everybody's able to attain it. And in this talk, uh, what I'm going to focus on inshallah, is first of all, speaking about happiness, what it is, attaining it, searching for it, the signs and the characteristics of the people that are happy. And secondly, uh, and importantly, uh, how a person responds in calamity and distress. Uh, so, as is evident, uh, happiness isn't just being able to have a laugh and to joke, because many people, they laugh and they joke, but deep inside they are distressed and they're depressed. I guess an example would be one of the famous comedians, and I mention this just so that everybody's aware, uh, an actor who ended up, he's a comedian, he's an actor, he's in many films, I'm not going to mention his name. But he committed suicide. He committed suicide. He was depressed and had anxiety. So just laughing doesn't necessitate that a person's happy. Another important point to highlight is uh, with regards to money. A person may think that money can solve my problems. And having money is definitely a benefit for some people. But if money was a the source of contentment and happiness, then you wouldn't have all of these wealthy people taking drugs and drink. They wouldn't be drinking and doing drugs, whether it's prescription drugs or other than that, uh, as a way of escaping the weight and the burden and the worries and the anxieties and the depressions that they have, let alone them taking their own life and killing themselves. And this is something which is well known and something which is witnessed. It doesn't need to support it with evidence. Uh, 
because you look around you and you see it. So as an introduction, money in and of itself doesn't bring a person happiness. Likewise as well, a person being funny or joking doesn't necessitate that inside they don't have troubles and depressions and the like. So the question is, what is uh, happiness? The ha when we speak about happiness, you're speaking about a feeling which is inside. It's not something which is external. It's a feeling which is inside. And it's a feeling which you get, which is a contentment of the self. It's a contentment of the self. You either feel happy with your life and with your circumstances and your situations, or you feel sad and you feel unhappy. And when you feel happy, you have contentment, you have a expansion of your chest. But when you feel anxiety over the present, for example, or regret over the past or fear over the future, then what you have is this constriction in your chest and like this feeling of tightness, which sometimes is difficult to explain. You know, sometimes it's obvious because it's as a result of a situation which you're going through and you're facing in your life at that moment, the loss of a loved one, for example, the difficulty in finding a job, you know, it could be something which you can see and you can feel, but sometimes it's hard to identify where it comes from and it makes it even more difficult at that point. But in any case, the happiness is a feeling, it's contentment with yourself and it's an internal feeling that a person has. So the search then is for a person to find contentment in all of these situations, whether it's a situation that happened in the past or a situation which he's facing in the present or something which he's expecting in the future is to be content and to find tranquility in that, in all of that, in every situation. So when a person's content, this is what they find themselves. These are from the fruits of happiness. So from the fruits of happiness is that when a person doesn't have excessive regret over things that have happened in the past and there's no going back, and a person doesn't have excessive worry or anxiety about something in the present, for example, a situation that he's dealing with at the moment, and also he doesn't have excessive fear over the future. These are from the fruits when a person's content in, him, in himself or herself. Uh, so these are from the benefits. When it comes to how to attain happiness or attaining happiness, then it's important to understand yourself it's important that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, God, he created you. And he created you with physical needs as well as spiritual needs. He created you with spiritual needs. And these are our desire. And these are our needs. They're not just, for example, once we're speaking about your need for food, the need for drink, the need for relationships with others, family, wife, the need, for example, for clothes and a roof over your head and safety and shelter. These are basic needs. And these are physical needs that a person has that help them in their life. And these are necessary for a person to find contentment, the basic needs. And then you have spiritual needs. And the spiritual needs are, is what we call, or what we, when we're speaking about Iman, we're speaking about faith. We're speaking about belief 
and everything that comes with it. So hope and love and trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and also dependence upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All of these spiritual, these acts of ibadah, which are actions of the heart and what comes on from that, like actions of the tongue, like dua, there's a talk about dua and dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the salah and the prayer and the actions of the limbs which are manifestation of this hope and this love and this fear and this tawakkul, this dependence and reliance. So the search to attain and to find happiness, a person has to meet both of these needs. He has to meet his physical needs and he has to also meet his spiritual uh, needs. So when the soul, for example, is following and it's following this path, or it takes this path, it's going to attain, it's going to reach, it's going to aspire for a higher purpose. So then if you were to say, for example, what is happiness and how to attain happiness, you're going to be speaking about how to fulfill your physical needs and also how to fulfill your spiritual needs. Uh, in this regard, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions, and we're going to look at two ayat in this regard, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the happiness and how to attain happiness and where happiness is found. Uh, the first one is a statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In this uh, ayah or this verse, the verse of the Quran, Surah Al-An'am, ayah number 125, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, that whoever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to guide, I hidayah guidance, which is giving the person happiness, giving contentment. What does Allah give them? Allah opens and expands their chest, expansion of their sadr, lil Islam for Islam. Right? And this is Iman. This is when a person enters into Islam. And I know many Muslims where they remember, subhanAllah. Remember that feeling when they first became Muslim, talking about reverts here. Or people that started practicing again after not being practicing or went through a stage where they dropped off the deen completely. And it happens. The dunya is a fitna. The dunya is a fitna. And there's a lot of temptations and there's a lot of uh, desires and temptations in society. So it's, it's, it happens. But when, they, when you enter into Islam, that feeling you have, that's the feeling of Allah has opened your chest to Islam. And this is belief, this is Iman, this is faith. Right? The other ayah speaks about actions. It speaks about actions. Man amila saliham min dhakirin aw untha wa huwa mu'minun falanukhiyannahu hayatan tayyibah. Whoever does actions, this is now speaking about deeds, 
Iman and Amal. Whoever does actions which are righteous, which are good deeds, they do good from male or from female while he is a believer he has faith he has belief it shows he's done these actions are done for, for Allah based upon Iman but this is the point Allah says we are going to give him a good life we're going to give him a good life and this is the result of righteous actions and this is where we're speaking about spiritual spirituality this is where we're speaking about a higher purpose beyond your physical needs beyond fulfilling your wants and your desires for food and for drink we're speaking about now a higher purpose right we're speaking about doing things for other than yourself Allah says Man they're going to get the best of rewards. So here we're looking at these two points. And let's analyze and evaluate ourselves. Because tazkiyat and nafs is, a, is something which we're always seeking after. The purification of our heart, purification of our soul, purification of our actions. This is something that every single one of us is on a journey constantly, constantly, constantly. Right. Okay, Muslims, with regards to iman and amal. With regards to belief, faith, and righteous deeds, good deeds. They're one of four people. When it comes to fulfilling our physical needs and our spiritual needs, we're one of four people. One, the first, is a person that has iman. He's a believer. However, he disregards the ahkam. He disregards these actions. He has faith, but he disregards actions meaning that he exceeds in his physical pleasures. Beyond the needs, he goes to the wants, and not just to the wants which are halal, but to the wants which are also forbidden, the things which are haram. He doesn't really care too much where his income comes from, doesn't care too much, for example, relationships that they have like this. So this shows this person, he will have the least amount of happiness. Why? Because he's only focusing on that which is physical. And the dunya in and of itself is not going to give contentment for the soul. It's not food for the soul. It might be food for the body, but it's not food for the soul. The second type of person is a person that fulfills the, the ahkam, the, the wajibat, and the, he stays away from the maharramat, and he has the faith, has belief, has iman, has actions. But also as well, he still has some types of excessiveness in things which are mubah, as well as doing the things which are makroot. So he's always fallen into the things, the things which some scholars mention as great areas. Some sometimes might fall into haram as a result of it. But he doesn't really care too much either about those things. This is better than the person in the first example. However, however, they're still going to find unhappiness. And sometimes they're going to wonder why they have that unhappiness. They're not going to be able to identify it very well. The other third type of person is a person that doesn't, that fulfills both the binding, the things which are wajib, stays away from the things which are haram. And they also strive to do the things which are mustahab and stay away from the things which are makruh. They don't exceed in their physical pleasures. Meaning, what does that mean? They take what they need 
They take what they need and they stick to that which is clearly halal, clearly permissible. This is the best out of the four categories. This is a person that's going to be able to attain happiness and contentment. Why? Because they fulfill their needs while focusing on their faith. They fulfill their needs while focusing on their faith. So they have hope. And they have a balance of fear. And they're driven by love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, love of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi The fourth type of person is a person that fulfills the binding and the non-binding commands and prohibitions, but they prevent themselves from the permissible pleasures of, the, of, of, of physical pleasures. So they cause hardship upon themselves that the religion doesn't necessitate or dictate. So as a result of that, they harm their body and they don't get any benefit from it. They harm their body, meaning that they deprive themselves of the things which Allah has made halal. They deprive themselves thinking that this excessiveness is praiseworthy and draws them closer to Allah, but in reality it causes hardship and as a result of that, they're going to suffer because remember at the beginning we said you have to fulfill your physical needs as well as your spiritual needs for you to attain contentment and happiness in this worldly life and success in the afterlife. So the one that finds happiness is a person that's in the third category meaning that he fulfills his physical needs as well as fulfilling his spiritual obligations he's the one who attains happiness when i had iman righteous actions there are certain signs there are certain signs that a person uh, of contentment and happiness in this worldly life uh, one of the one of the ways in which a person seeks Happiness, one of the signs that a person is on a path of happiness and contentment and attaining happiness and contentment is that they do not overly value the worldly life, as you saw in the previous examples of the four types of people. They don't overly value the dunya. Uh, what does that mean? It doesn't mean, for example, that they neglect earning a living and spending on their family. And it also doesn't mean that they're not allowed to seek after being wealthy and, and, uh, and seeking wealth. What it means though is understanding the value of money and not making money being the focus to the extent that it distracts you from fulfilling your duties, your faith, your religious obligations, right? And decreases you, distracts you from your ibadah, from prayer on time, for example. Uh, so this is a person they haven't forgotten their moral and the real purpose behind this worldly life. So they benefit both in their dunya and they benefit in their akhirah. They have wealth, but the richness that they really have is contentment in their heart and they realize that has more value than the money that they have in their hand. And they're able to use that money for that which is going to benefit them in this life and benefit them in the afterlife as well, without it being a cause of their misery. Uh, so this is a person, and in this regard, there's a statement which is a hadith which is mentioned by Tirmidhi, and Al-Hakim mentions it in his Mustadrak. But the scholars have some speech about its authenticity, even though the scholars of hadith or the scholars of tafsir, they mention it in the tafsir like Ibn Kathir. Uh, however, if you look at the meaning, you find the meaning, uh, some scholars speak about hadith, but if you look at the meaning, the meaning is beneficial. Uh, the, the Messenger of Allah said, The Messenger of Allah said that when Noor enters the heart, light enters the heart, the light enters the heart, it expands. And the heart, it 
it, it, it opens up, it expands. And the companion said, Companion sometimes asks, What's the sign? What's the indication of that? The Messenger of Allah said, the Messenger of Allah وسلم, replied that is that a person turns away from the abode of deception As you know, this dunya life, this world life is a deception That's how Allah وسلم, describes it in the Quran Hayat al-dunya Also as well, he turns to the abode of immortality He turns his heart and his attention to the afterlife. Well, and he's prepared for death before it happens because it's a certainty. It's a certainty. So he's prepared for it before it happens. Uh, the next point is speaking about the characteristics of the, uh, the, the characteristics or the traits of the person that's attaining happiness and striving for happiness. Because no matter who you are, no matter who you are, no matter what your position, you could be the leader, you could be the worker, you could be the boss. It doesn't matter what your position is. You could be the imam, you could be the musalli. You could be a student of knowledge, you could be the ami. It doesn't matter what your position is, the, the father or the mother, the child. Everybody's going to have good and bad experiences in their life. They're going to go through difficulties. And this is the nature of life, and this is a test from Allah. They're going to have moments of joy, and they're going to experience moments of sadness. The difference between people is in their response to how the, to these moments. The one that's happy or successful is the one that has and always uh, adorns himself with two uh, characteristics or two traits. The first one is that he, in prosperity, he's always grateful and thankful i.e. through the good times he's constantly remembering to thank Allah and to thank Allah for thanking Allah to have that ni'mah and when it comes to bad times or adverse times or difficult times he utilizes the patience and he adorns himself with sabr and these are from the characteristics of happiness because no matter what happens whoever you are you're going to experience ups and downs you're going to experience moments of joy Moments of sadness, it's, 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 it's going to happen. Everybody goes through these. So these are the characteristics. Uh, okay, what, what happens when you do have bad experience? What are the type of tips? Or what are some of the tips that you can uh, use to find happiness in calamity? And it might sound like a contradiction. But the, the, the scholars, when they speak about the levels of a person with regards to the qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the decree of Allah, because everything that happens is happens by the decree of Allah, it's written and it's recorded. So the person is of different levels. Patience is an obligation and finding pleasure in, in the despair is another level which is above recommended. So it's the something we should search for. Why? Because it's recommended that you want to attain the highest stations. The person is always seeking for uh, the highest stations. The scholars of Hadith, it was used to travel to seek the highest isnad. A person should always seek for the highest stations that he can attain 
in regards to shukr and sabr and in regards to muhabba, love and tawakkul and all of the actions of the heart. So how does a person find happiness in calamity? First of all, the most important thing is to praise Allah in every situation. Alhamdulillah ala kulli hal. Alhamdulillah ala kulli hal. Praise be to Allah in every circumstance and every situation. If you have a calamity, if you have a calamity, you experience a calamity, then there's a number of steps. One of them is to remember that no matter whatever the, how bad the situation is, there are people that are always experiencing worse. So you can see yourself in a better position than they are. And then you take three steps. The first step is to realize that a calamity, every calamity is a calamity in your deen. And a calamity in your dunya is something which is light in comparison to a calamity in your deen. So a person who realizes that his deen, he's, he's, he's safeguarding his deen, even though he's going through calamity in his dunya, it's going to give him happiness and contentment knowing that the the end result is for the believers. So so long as he's maintaining his deen, he can do a calamity in his dunya. And there's an example that brings this home. Uh, a person can have lots of money. He can have lots of businesses. He could be making profit, but he's working hard, chasing, his, chasing the businesses, looking after the employees. Important people come to him. He has to make time for them, and he feels burdened by these people. So he has this feeling of stress. He goes to sleep stressed. He wakes up stressed and worried. Why? Because he's always burdened by this responsibility of money and work. Okay, after that, he leaves off this life, this type of life, and he makes himself content with what's sufficient for him. But he takes a path, for example, seeking knowledge. He takes a simple path where he's going to be seeking knowledge, provided for his family, but not being too concerned and overly concerned with wealth and dunya and money. What happens? What happens is his house turns to a place of dhikr of Allah, halaqat al-ilm, remembrance of Allah, mawid, the reminders and advice, and the people that he's sitting with and visiting are not people that are always concerned with dunya, but people that are thinking about the afterlife. Worshippers of Allah, students of knowledge. So as a result of that, your contentment level it increases. That's the first tip. So look at the ibtila, the calamity. Calamity in your deen is every calamity. Calamity in your dunya, then, then it comes and it goes. The dunya is temporary. The second is to remember your blessings, to lessen your sadness. I.e., a person loses something in his dunya, but he has so much more. And an example will make this clear. Another example. Uh, you come across a person and they're sad, they're upset, they're married, they've got a family to look after, and they're finding it difficult to get a job. They're unemployed and they're trying, finding it difficult. Well, as a result of that, they're going to be upset. Okay, but he's in good health. He wakes up and he can walk to the masjid for the salah. He finds somebody else, they have a job. But they also have an illness that prevents them, like if you look now, you can't leave the house. 
you have a job, but you have to stay in the house all the time. Okay, what do you want? What do you swap? A person that can go out and walk. You might not have a job now, but he's able to get up and go out and walk. You have a job, but you're stuck in your house, right? The person that can get up and walk, he's in a, he's in a better position because he has that health, that ability to leave, even though he might not have a job. So you look at, for example, your blessings, health, and you say to yourself, you're in a better position than that person that's stuck at home. Likewise as well, you find the same thing with regards to money. You might meet a person who has a good job, nice car, lots of money, but he's got an illness, whatever the illness is, and it's terminal. It's terminal. Okay, you don't have the illness, you don't have money, but you don't have the illness, you have health. All his money that he has, if he could change it for what you have, which is health, the health, you're not about, you don't have any terminal illness, he'll give it up so that his life is extended because the money can come again. But you have that health. You don't have the money, but you have the health. This is a blessing. This is a blessing which is irreplaceable, but it's also all, a, lot, a lot of time taken for. It's dismissed. We, we can feel it now, which is why it's really important to understand this point. We can feel the blessing of health now. The blessing of being able to go out of your house and walk. The blessing of being able to have a relationship with someone and with regards to being ne just being next to people, that, being able to pray next to someone. Being able to uh, pray and uh, attend the janazah prayers and all these things i.e. that you can't do because of this current situation. So these are, these are things which are often taken for granted until it is. So when a person, for example, he feels a state of sadness because of his situation, for example, he's got a family, he can't find a job, then he has to think about, he has to remember the blessings that he does have. Uh, also, so that's the second one. So remember your blessings to lessen your sadness. The third one is to make dua to Allah subhanahu to remove your distress. To make dua. Sometimes uh, dua is we, we seek solution in everything else other than in faith, other than in hope, other than in optimism. Good thoughts of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Making dua and supplicating Allah and asking and asking and asking and beseeching and begging and pleading. This is the way a person removes distress in all reality. You find the you find the answers to your supplications. If a person is sincere, supplicating Allah and his patience, he's going to find for certain he's going to find the answers to his supplications. And this happened many, many times. This happened many times. God has mentioned a story of a young boy. And he decided he's going to seek knowledge. He's going to seek knowledge. He's going to travel to, for example, another country where there's a where it's set up, where there's accommodation for him to seek knowledge. He's going to spend his time seeking knowledge, where accommodation is prepared by the scholars for students. So he goes and he seeks knowledge. He leaves his country, leaves his home. And after a short while, he wants to get married. And this is the case. After studying for a while, he, he decides that he wants to get married. But he's got little means. Who's going to marry him? He's a student of knowledge. He's living in accommodation. He's not doesn't have a job. He's occupied with seeking knowledge. He doesn't want to get married and, and, and leave seeking knowledge. He wants to get married and continue seeking knowledge. Who's going to marry him? So he supplicates Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He makes dua. He makes dua. He makes dua. And he's making dua, making dua, making dua. And then as he's praying on making dua, the, he sees the 
face as clear as day of a, a young a girl that he grew up with as a child. So what does he do? A few days later, he calls his parents to let them know that he wants to let them know that he wants to get married. He's going to get their permission and ask them to assist. So he's speaking to his mum and his mum, she, he doesn't have the courage to mention it. So he leaves it, he leaves it and having a conversation. Just as the conversation is about to end, he says, oh, mum, I want to get married. I'm thinking about getting married. Do you know anyone that you can recommend? Can you start asking around? And the conversation is about to end. But again, in his heart is that he wants to ask about that girl that he saw when he was making du'a. So he says, he brings up the courage and says to his mum, what about the girl that, uh, when he was children, grew up with, for example, that, we, that I know? SubhanAllah, the mum, what did she say? She says, SubhanAllah, just a few days ago, I was speaking with your dad. We were speaking about this girl specifically as if she'd be suitable for you for marriage. SubhanAllah, look at that. Du'a. So then they approach the girl. And the parents of the girl, they approach the parents of the girl and they speak about it and they get married. They get married. Knowing his situation, so this is the thing a person has to understand the power of du'a, the power of asking Allah, the power of supplicating Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the power of hope and faith, the power of trust in Allah and optimism as well. So these are three steps that a person can take when he finds himself in a difficult situation. The first step I'm going to repeat them is that a person looks at the ibtila. Is it a calamity in his deen or calamity in his dunya? Calamity in his dunya, inshallah, it will go because his deen is good. The second is he remembers his blessings and that lessens and softens the sadness. And the third, that he makes dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. These are tips. In conclusion, happiness in this life is going to be happiness in the afterlife. A person's content in this life. He has iman, he has amal, he has faith, and he has righteous actions. He's striving for, and he fulfills his physical needs without going to excessiveness in, the, in those things which and going beyond which is allowed, that which is impermissible. And that person is going to find contentment in this life and contentment in the afterlife, as is promised by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the first ayat, the first two, the ayat that I read. Uh, also, as well as is mentioned by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the following ayat I'm going to be that when it comes to the person's death, Allah is going to, and he, his journey to the afterlife, he's going to find when he meets, he's always going to find contentment, tranquility, and happiness. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, as for those that are destined for happiness, as for those that were destined for happiness to find joy, then they're going to be in paradise. A Muslim, he has his eye on paradise all the time in the actions that he's doing in this worldly life. Again, he's combining between fulfilling his physical needs as well as aiming for the higher stations in the afterlife by uh, uh, attaining and going and making tasqeet and nafs. As for those who are destined to joy, then they will be in paradise, staying there in for immortality, forever, eternity. As long as the heavens and heavens will endure, accept what your Lord wills, a generous giving without end. So the person is destined for joy, why? because of their faith, 
their Iman because of their Amal Salih, because of their Amal Salih, or because of their righteous actions. Leave enough sins and turn into obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is, inshallah, uh, uh, the, one of the means and the ways in which a person, inshallah, benefits himself and strives towards that which is going to give him happiness and contentment and to overcome, to overcome calamities that are necessary for them to grow in their iman. Let's not forget that there is a hikmah and there's a wisdom behind everything that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decreed. Know it or don't know it. Knowing it increases you in iman and love, but it's not a condition for accepting it and being patient. Knowing it increases you in the rida, in happiness and contentment. So when a person goes through a calamity, something, don't say, oh Allah, why me? I make an i'tirad of what the qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I questioning why the decree of Allah, but say, oh Allah, give me understanding, give me understanding so I can be pleased with the decree. Because patience is a must. And the next level is finding happiness in the calamity. And this is something that we all seek after so that we can increase in our closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, increasing our love and our, our thankfulness and our appreciation. So inshallah, that's the end of the talk. Wallahu ta'ala a'lam wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa ashabihi Uh, questions uh, reference for the second ayat the second ayat that I mentioned is in Surah Al-Nahl ayat number 97 whoever does good deeds male or female ibadah is, is, is the purpose of life worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and in that regard, everyone's racing. There's no, there's no, for example, uh, give, uh, advantage of one of the other. Everyone's got in the same position in the race, racing for this, uh, this. Inshallah, and he's a believer. This is the point. The person that does that, we will surely cause him to live a good life. This is the point. The point is, everyone's after a good life. Okay, here's the answer for it. Allah says, whoever does good deeds, male or female, i.e. you have iman, and he's a believer, i.e. you have iman, and you have righteous actions, we will surely give him a good life. And this is what everyone's after. No. Uh, next question. When you make the R, is it from the Sunnah? that a person should say Amin to his or her own du'a. I don't know anything that says it's from the Sunnah to say Amin for your own du'a, uh, that, except when it's after the Salah. There's a hadith that mentions, or Athar on the Sahabas, that mentions, I think it's Umr al Khattab, which says, I'm making du'a, so say Amin. That's in the Salah and that's uh, towards the congregation. As for yourself, I don't know anything that comes in that regard, and there's lots of adhkar that were taught and du'a that were taught, and it didn't have the word amin at the end of it. Can du'a change qadar? Du'a is from qadar. The question comes that there's a hadith that specifically mentions that nothing changes qadar except for du'a. So it's important to understand that du'a is from the qadar of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Allah decreed for you to make du'a. 
So don't not make du'a. And don't think that, for example, uh, uh, you, you shouldn't do any actions at all. Can you give some examples of calamity in the deen? A calamity in the deen is when a person goes through tribulations where they leave off the salat, for example. Or, for example, they uh, start go, uh, doing that which is haram, committing zina, or drinking khamar. Or they leave off, for example, having hope in Allah, actions of the heart, having trust in Allah, having dependence upon Allah, being grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They, they're negligent of these actions of ibadah of the heart. Sometimes a person may have the outward actions, but they're like a robot. Uh, it, it's become a ritual and it doesn't have any uh, impact. Why? Because they don't, they're not, they don't have the conscientiousness when they're doing the action of that, they're worshipping Allah. They make it a turn into Allah. They're hoping in Allah. They're fearing Allah. They're depending upon Allah. They're trusting in Allah. So this is really important. Uh, could you clarify every calamity, calamity, every calamity is a calamity in your deen? Uh, the statement, I don't know, I don't, maybe from this statement, I, need to, I don't know where the statement comes from, but if it's a hadith, I haven't come across it, every calamity is a calamity in your deen. If a person, for example, goes through poverty, and that poverty causes them to do something which is haram, then it's a calamity in their deen. But they go through poverty and they're patient, it's a calamity in their dunya, it doesn't affect their deen, and they're able to increase in closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, if praying to Hajjud, can the be done after finishing the eight rakats? Uh, what's meant by du'a? Is that qunut or is that du'a, for example? What's meant by that? What's the first ayah you mentioned about the feeling of happiness when someone comes to Islam? It's the ayah says, for men yurid Allah, an yahdiyahu yashra sadrahu lil Islam. If Allah wants to guide a person, he opens up, expands his breast to contain al Islam. He guides him to Islam. Uh, question and that's so that's in uh, Surah Al An'am, ayat number 125. Is heart sadness contradicting contentment of destiny? Uh, heart sadness, I mean, sad in your heart doesn't contradict uh, content, contentment of the Qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, there's many examples of that. Uh, it's, it's an emotion that you don't have control over, first and foremost. You lose a loved one, you're going to be sad. You're going to grieve. Don't think that Islam says don't grieve. Don't think that Islam says don't be sad. What it means is when it says don't be sad, Allah's with you, doesn't mean that the emotion of sadness is not going to overcome you. But it means that that emotion of sadness, replace it with that which is going to allow you to appreciate the favors of the blessings of Allah. But don't think that it doesn't, the message of Allah says somebody lost his uh, uh, son. Ibrahim he, he cried. So the companion said, This is what they noticed the message of Allah was crying. Is he crying because he's not content with the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? No. It's an, it's an emotion, it's a natural emotion that a person has. And in many cases, it's necessary to show it. It's necessary to show it so that you can experience the sadness and go through the sadness instead of bottling up. You, you know about some of that bottle things up and it has a negative impact on them. So having the sadness and the message of, message of Allah sallallahu said, the eyes shed tears, but the, and the heart grieves, but the tongue only says that which is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No. The last ayah that was mentioned, it pertains to happiness in the afterlife, 
is a happiness in paradise. And it's sort of the hood, ayat number 105. Well, the first ayat speaks about Islam, al-Iman. The second ayat speaks about actions, showing happiness is in Islam, happiness is in righteous actions. The third one shows that happiness is in the paradise. Uh, and after your own personal du'a, do you have to say am, amin? From what I understand, no, not every du'a you make up to say amin. There's many du'as that you, is in Muslim, the Muslim, all the du'as that you say for waking up, for leaving the house. You don't say amin after all of them. What should a Muslim do if they have a constant negative mindset? They firmly believe they can't do something. What can we do to say to help them? Uh, this is something pertaining to self-esteem and how they see themselves and how they value themselves. So it's important for them to, first of all, build uh, their own uh, self-esteem and understand, be comfortable with themselves. And this is uh, something which they need to do. How you help them then is by uh, giving them uh, uh, good words, encouraging them, motivating them, lifting them up. They see them down, saying something that's going to please them. Stuff like this. Try to just uh, help them become self-confident. Uh, and it's something which is, in many cases, inside. Uh, inshallah, hopefully that will help. How do you ask someone who's struggling in their faith? And this could possibly be due to depression or anxiety. How can you advise them to turn back to Allah? in a respectful way uh, when it comes to a person going through a difficulty so they're struggling and they have depression then first and foremost you have to find out what's the source of the sadness sometimes it's not depression and it's sadness sometimes it's depression and it's deep-rooted uh, if you can identify the source of the sadness then it's your you've taken the first step to resolving the issue uh, but if you can't identify the source of the sadness then it's not very easy. Uh, one thing that you should always advise, and this is something which can't be overemphasized, is to recite and to make the double of the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's a cure for what's in the hearts, as Allah mentions. It's a cure for what's in the hearts. So if a person, and you shouldn't think making the double of the Quran and read in the Quran, don't recite it once and nothing's happened. No, not at all. You have to be consistent, consistent, consistent. Every day, recite, 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 making du'a, recite, making du'a. And make it a part of your routine and your life. It's the book of Allah. It's the speech of Allah. It's the speech of Allah. And many of us are negligent when it comes to reciting it and learning it and applying it. Uh, that's one thing. The second thing is, uh, a person that is depressed and they have anxiety and they're unable to identify the source, and again, this is going to benefit them the most because it may be the case that someone has done sihr on them. It may be the case someone done sihr on them. And the cure for sihr again is the Quran. The cure again for sihr is the Quran. Uh, so apart, identify the sadness, exercise and encourage patience, uh, and also recite the Quran as well. Uh, when someone lies to you all the time, is it better to ignore it or stand up against the lie? Uh, obviously lying is a major sin in, in Islam we have a duty to enjoin good and to forbid evil so long as enjoining good and encouraging people to leave off that which is evil doesn't result and bring about a greater harm and a greater evil so you have to assess the situation 
uh, also as well to make the accusation of a lie and the person is wrong is also dangerous and it can fall back on the person so you have to be careful also not to be accusing someone uh, that of lying and it may be the case of not lying you know there's there's uh, maybe the case that the information you have is wrong so it's important to make sure that you know it's a lie first and foremost there's your evidence if you're challenged for example and it's okay how do you know i'm lying prove it and you don't have proof apart from suspicion suspicion is from shaitan you're not allowed to act on suspicion suspicion is from shaitan but some people are overly suspicious as well uh, and that also in itself needs needs uh, a person to do turn back to allah and seek uh, to escape the nest and the lie but if they are lying and you're able to enjoy good and forbid evil then 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 do it do it as long as it's not going to bring about a bigger evil and sometimes it depends on the relationship. Sometimes it's better to ignore something uh, if it's small uh, and it's not going to, it's not big and it has an impact. If it only affects the person, doesn't affect everybody else. You have to weigh it up. It's hard to give a straight answer without knowing the situation. Uh, but generally speaking, the most important thing to understand lying is haram and it's a major sin. And a person lies as a messenger of Allah Sallallahu said. Lying is a very bad trait. The messenger of mentioned about a liar. A person lies and he continues to lie until it's written down with Allah that he's a kadab. He's a, he becomes a he becomes a persistent liar. And everyone knows the, the the case of or the story of the boy who cried wolf. Look at the evil ending of a person that continues to lie all the time. Comes back on himself. Uh, regarding the hundred question, I'm not raising hands after prayer is finished and making du'a. Uh, regarding tahajjud, uh, it means, for example, the imam or the person individually. In regards to making du'a, person makes du'a, part of the ethics of making du'a is raising their hands. Uh, but again, it has to be done in the manner and the way which the Messenger of Allah did it, the Sunnah. Uh, in all regards, ibadah is tawqifiyah. What that means is that you can't and you can't make it how you want to make it. It has to be done how the Messenger of Allah You can't make ishtihad in it. You can't say, I want to do it this way. So uh, it needs to go back and look at how the Messenger of Allah did it. So even though, for example, raising your hands might be considered an act of uh, ibadah when you do it when you're making dua, doing it at set times that the Messenger of Allah didn't do it, it might not be considered ibadah. I don't, I'm not sure if I understand your question fully. The four titles we've mentioned earlier, do they have certain names? No, we're just speaking about istiqrar. When you look at the, the nature of people, regards to their iman and their dunya regards to, then these are this is how you find them uh, can muslims achieve obtain happiness and content from anxiety stress and depression in this world or the life 100 percent 100 percent that a muslim if he's strong if, if he can have content in this life without there being anxiety without there being stressed 100 and this is a promise from allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the awliya of allah the awliya of Allah are those that do not have any type of sadness or anxiety or fear. And this is what we should all be striving and seeking to. We should all be striving and seeking to be from the awliya of Allah. And that's our higher purpose, for want of a better word. Now, is it allowed to speak of your troubles when you really can't handle your sadness by yourself after mentioning struggle of uh, just ask for advice? Uh, yes, it's permissible to seek help to overcome your problems and it's one of the ways in which islam has a legislated i is called uh to make uh, uh it's called this consultation to shower 
a person consulting someone else. But again, it's not complaining of your troubles. There's a difference between shakawa or shakwa, a person complaining of their troubles to a person rather than to Allah. And a person consulting someone to get advice. Get, so consulting advice is something which is recommended. It's recommended. It's the way of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And the best people to consult are those that know you personally, your family, uh, your wife, your spouse. Uh, one of the mistakes that many people, that some people make uh, is that they don't communicate well with their spouse or with their wife, with their older children, for example. So they neglect their, their, their ability to provide two heads, two minds are better than one. You know, two minds are better than one. So when you consult, you benefit. Uh, can you outline some ways for us to build such a self-esteem to move with a negative mindset? Uh, first and foremost is education. Education is important. Uh, you value yourself more when you um, you start to see what you're able to, your, your knowledge increases. So education, education of the din and education of the dunya. This allows a person to have self-esteem. This is one of the ways. Uh, inshallah, there's uh, others. And again, it's, I think it needs a whole lecture and it would need, I wouldn't want to uh, speak about it without doing justice to it by preparing properly. But education is definitely one of the ways. Uh, also as well, you know, small steps, small successes that a person does is another way. You know, some, so when you, get, when you set yourself goals, don't set yourself the massive goal, that's your vision. Set yourself small goals, small tasks, each goal and each task that you complete is a success. Once you have a success, you're going to build up your self-esteem. Uh, you know, but if you set yourself a big task and a big goal that you're unable to attain without doing loads of little tasks before and your, your eyes are on the big goal, the big task, you're going to consider yourself a failure. It's going uh, to self-perpetuate the lack of self-esteem. Inshallah, we're going to uh, stop here. Uh, I think we've gone over the time it's supposed to be 45 minutes, I ask Allah to bless uh, all of you and to protect all of you and to give you all contentment and happiness in this dunya and to make you successful in the afterlife and to be of those that Allah describes in the verse Allah makes you of those that are destined for joy in an eternity in the afterlife. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah.